0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Dr. Peter Hammond, founder and director of Frontline Fellowship in Cape Town, South Africa. Peter, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Dan.
0: You know, today we want to talk about the kingdom of God. You did a paper recently, sent it out to those on your mailing list. But before we start, I would like you to share with our listeners what you were talking with me about prior to us opening the mic, how that you recently basically were touched by God in a very serious situation. Can you share that with our listeners?
1: Yes, um, it was just the end of February, and um, 28th of February on a Tuesday night, and early hours of the morning, at about two in the morning, I woke up to a sharp cramp in my left leg and as I stood up to sort of walk the cramp out, I fell over and I felt lame on my left side and I could feel my face was lame, my left arm and my left leg and I realized immediately I was having a stroke so I went into the bathroom and took an aspirin which I knew could help thin the blood so to speak Mm -hmm. to counteract blood clots and um, later the doctor said that was the right thing to do but I should have followed up by going straight to hospital, which I didn't. In fact, what I did was I took a heavy sleeping tablet because I was concerned that I was going to be wiped out the next day if I yes. didn't get decent sleep. So next morning, my daughter got me up and uh, was deeply concerned because I never oversleep. And so next thing she realized I needed to be rushed to the hospital, which she did. Yes. I was given an MRI. You know, that's a that horrible tunnel you go into, very claustrophobic. Oh, yeah. And do a full scan. And it sounds so noisy. In fact, it sounds like some demonic disco in these MRI tubes. And uh, anyone who's claustrophobic would hate it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like it at all. No. but um, And I'm not that claustrophobic, but it was awful. And then they showed me I had had a stroke. So I had the occupational therapist, neurological therapist, speech therapist give me batteries of tests. And um, later that day, I was now an ICU intensive care unit and... The chairman of the board of our mission, who is a paratrooper from the army, um, he came to see me and anointed me with oil, read James 5, prayed the prayer of faith. Amen. And I felt such a dramatic improvement. By the next morning, the doctor and the nurses and the therapists were stunned to see how quickly I'd recovered. Mm. They gave me a whole lot of tests and puzzles, and when I solved some of them and did, answered the different questions, the occupational therapist said well that's a record <laughs> and they were pretty astounded they even took me for test walks around and I was the only patient in ICU which was surrounded by heart and stroke patients, the only one who's allowed to actually walk uh, from my bed and to get up and go around uh, everyone else just tied to all the monitoring machines so um, they released me by the Friday, I was in on a Tuesday morning and by Friday they let me go and by the next week Monday I was flying off to KwaZulu-Natal to Kwasi's mission. And on a Tuesday, exactly a week after the stroke, I was giving a keynote address to 2,000 ministers at the minister's conference. (laughs) So um, a lot of people were quite surprised and said that if they didn't know, they wouldn't have been able to see any evidence that I'd even had a stroke. I know people who've had strokes who can't walk or talk. So this is God's grace and mercy. But he's given me another chance and – they they were a bit surprised that when they asked all the questions that I didn't smoke or drink because that, of course, puts you in the highest category of correct. risk for. Correct, correct. And I've never smoked or drunk, so I wasn't in that high category. I didn't have diabetes. So they were trying to work out how I could have got a stroke. And one of the questions was, is your work stressful? I said, well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, as they probed a bit more and found out some of what I do and – That I'd lost my wife just sixteen months before they said, Well that that explains that you're far greater at risk of strokes and heart attacks after losing a loved one. And they said, This is from accumulated stress and fatigue. Mm. He said that I must take a rest, I've got to take a break. And um well I must say I'm not good at that, but I know I must. There's just so much work and duties and so on that I need to hand over, but you need people competent and capable and committed to hand over to and I must say, the harvest is very large and the workers are very few. We really need more volunteers because I've got nothing against handing over duties and I like delegating and training other people up, but um, we're really thin on the ground and the harvest is very large and the workers are so few and the demands are urgent and we've got great opportunities here in Africa, so I hope some listeners hearing a Macedonian call because we really need some reinforcements and um, Amen but to that. Praise God, he's answered prayer and I'm operational and I'm still back in the vineyard.
0: Now, is there a way listeners can support your ministry? We're, we're in different countries and sometimes it's a little hard to send money or whatever. How how can people in America support you?
1: We do have an American office in Florida that can take a, a checks and um, we do have a Give, Send, Go online support uh, platform, so if one goes to the www.frontlinemissionsa.org, S-A short for South Africa, so frontlinemissionsa.org, there's a support and donate button where it's got different gives and go projects from our literature of Africa, our Congo River Mission, things like that, priority projects. And so a person can do it either online or do a check through the peer box that's in Florida that's given for Frontline North America. Okay. we'd be very grateful. If anyone wants to email us, mission at frontline.org.za is the email. And then it can be put on a mailing list and we can send out updates. And if a person's got any questions, uh, they can, they can communicate to us by email or on the web. We also on Facebook, we've got a frontline fellowship Facebook page and literature for Africa as well. And several other projects are on uh, as separate pages, but, um, no, we'd, we'd love to hear from people, especially if anyone's interested in volunteering some time and wants to come out here and help. But yes, we need prayers, we need support, we need spiritual warfare in succession. We're in a spiritual battle, and I think the um, stroke is just an indication of the physical war. And of yeah. course, it. this is a spiritual battle, but um, our bodies do take the strain. And in this case, I think a lot of the strain has come because of too much work concentrated on too few shoulders. Yes. And uh, we need to to share the load, and for that we do need more volunteers.
0: Now, uh, today we're talking with Dr. Peter Hammond, and um, it's not even the main subject we were going to talk about, but it was so important that this dear brother, folks, um, he's been in the field serving for many years, and he just suffered a stroke, and God has miraculously touched his body. And he's uh, he's back up again. Praise be to God. And uh, for U.S. supporters, it's uh, Frontline North America, Post Office Box 347, Interlaken, Florida, 32148. And so you can find all that information on FrontlineMissionSA.org and just look under Donate. Uh, Peter... This is um, this is a big subject today. We don't even have that much time, and we'll have to limit what you wrote. Here is so very important about the kingdom of God, and uh, you know we we of course believe in Christ's second coming. Uh, we believe that we when we die, our spirit goes to be uh, with our Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord we believe in a future resurrection, all of that. Yet in the meantime, God has given us very clear marching orders. And so that's what we want to talk about today, the kingdom of God. So can you get us started, please?
1: Yes. So in the Gospels, you can see a continual emphasis that Jesus preached the kingdom of God. In fact, while you only read of the church three times in the Gospels, you read the term kingdom and kingdom of God over 120 times in the Gospels. So the overwhelming emphasis of the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ was a kingdom message. And I'm a bit concerned that we tend to preach the gospel of salvation. Now the gospel of salvation is part of the gospel kingdom, but it's a small part. The gospel of the kingdom is about the king of kings and lord of lords and his will for the whole world. And the gospel of salvation is more about me and how I can get blessed and healed and prospered and saved and improved and all that. But the gospel of salvation is only part of the gospel of the kingdom. And I think we need this balance because our Lord's emphasis, and you can't miss it when you read the gospels, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, you read about again and again, and that was obviously the main emphasis of what teach our Lord Jesus taught. Just take his parables. Most of the parables of the Lord are about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this and like that. and So it's so important for us to also understand the kingdom of God and our place in it as subjects, as soldiers, as servants of God. And uh, I think it would really enrich our ministry if we get an understanding of what the Bible says about the kingdom of God. I've just noticed right from the beginning that when our Lord was born, uh, we read in Matthew 2 verse 2, he is born king. Now, you know that people can be born a prince or a princess, but nobody's born a king. They might be born an heir to the throne, but only Jesus was born king. And he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the eternal judge. He's the conqueror. He's coming again to judge the living and the dead. But our Lord Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is among you. He said, "Um, behold, the kingdom of God is amongst you. The kingdom of God is here. And Jesus initiated the kingdom of God. his earthly ministry. And so since the time of Christ on earth, the kingdom of God exists wherever there are uh, servants and subjects of the king of kings. Where where Jesus is worshipped and obeyed as king, that is where his kingdom is. And so actually, correctly speaking, every home, church, congregation, mission or ministry that submits to Jesus Christ should be part of the kingdom of God. And uh, we should be busy about his business. And I think this has inspired many Christians through the ages to understand. But I think it's been a bit lost in recent times. So the kingdom of God requires repentance, discipleship, and evangelism. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And our Lord said in Mark 4, to you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So there's an element on which the kingdom of God is something of a mystery, especially to the worldly people because it's spiritually discerned. And um, the Lord gave lots of parables about the kingdom and how uh, the kingdom of God grows by the word of God. He said the kingdom of God is as if a man scattered seed on the ground and the seeds sprouted and grew like the mustard seed, which might be the smallest of seeds, but when it's sown, it grows up and uh, becomes greater than all and shoots out large branches. The kingdom of God grows by the word of God. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is such as, let the little children come to me, do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Whichever of you does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So, yes. There needs to be humility and faith to enter the kingdom of God. And it's a miraculous work because Jesus said in Mark 10, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. But with men this is impossible, but not with God. With God all things are possible. So, the kingdom of God is a miraculous work. And our Lord taught the parable of the wicked vine dressers in the temple. The Jewish scribes and Pharisees knew that He had spoken this parable against them. Mark 12 12. So, Jesus taught the parable about these wicked vine dressers who um, turned against every servant sent by the owner of the vineyard. And then finally, He sent His son. And they took Him and killed Him and cast Him out of the vineyard. Therefore, Jesus said, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy those vine dresses. He will give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And so Jesus is the cornerstone of the kingdom. And John the Baptist began his ministry declaring, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus began his earthly ministry with the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Sermon on the Mount details the required conduct of subjects of the kingdom of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm afraid today I think a lot of people's emphasis on all these things. But the emphasis should be, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Amen. Not not seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. I think the emphasis today is uh, pretty much on the wrong side. We need to put the kingdom of God first. And that's how we're taught to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And Martin Luther pointed out for God's kingdom to come, Satan's kingdoms must be defeated. For God's will to be done, Satan's plans and schemes must be exposed and defeated. And our favorite Christmas verse, Isaiah 9 Verse 6, for unto us the child is born, unto us the son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from this time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so it's so important for us to understand that the kingdom of God requires obedience. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So a simple profession of faith is not enough. Practical obedience is required. Applying the Lord to Christ all areas of life. This is essential. It's not what we say as much as what we do. But the kingdom of God is not in word, indeed, but in power. We read in 1 Corinthians 4.20. And so our Lord Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so it's so important that we experience regeneration. That's the only way you can enter the kingdom of God. And then no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Lot's wife was warned, don't look back as angels rescued a family from Sodom. Yes. God condemned that wicked city to destruction. But Lot's wife still desired Sodom, still looked back longingly. And her disobedience is a clear um, warning because many of the Hebrews after having been delivered from slavery in Egypt, still desired to go back to Egypt. And they were condemned to wander in the wilderness and die there before God raised up a new Joshua generation, a faithful generation to enter and take the promised land. So we must be persevering and not be looking back. And if you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. You want a straight plow. We need to be counted worthy for the kingdom of God by being willing to suffer for Christ. Jesus said, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you ought to suffer. John promised the kingdom of God to those who obey him. And true love is measured by sacrifice. Jesus said those who love him will obey his commandments. Blessed are those who persecute for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so, to be worthy of the kingdom of heaven, we have to be willing to suffer for Christ. He suffered for us and left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. Right. We must through many tribulations, into the kingdom of God, we told in Acts 14.12, Acts 14.22. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And you can see this tremendous emphasis in the book of Revelation about the kingdom of God triumphing against Babylon, the beast, and the harlot, who wage war against the kingdom of God. Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, an abomination of the earth who make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings and with him are called chosen and faithful. So the question is, are we his called chosen and faithful? And the inevitable ultimate victory of Christ's kingdom um, is something that should inspire us because he is the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of all the kings of the earth. He is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And there's some wonderful examples that you can see in, church history and in recent history of how the kingdom of God overcomes all obstacles and all opponents. You can just think of the vision of Daniel, uh, where Nebuchadnezzar had this vision, and Daniel revealed the vision, as God explained it to him, the head of gold, the chest of silver, the stomach of bronze, the legs of of, um, iron, and the feet of iron and clay. And then a stone struck the statue and broke it to pieces, and it crumbled to dust. And the stone grew to be a mountain that falls the whole earth. And so to explain this vision, in Daniel read, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all those kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. Amen. And then to the Messiah was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And all the peoples and nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom is one that shall never be destroyed. And so we're working for this everlasting kingdom. Now, all over Africa, I see monuments to people who fought for Queen Victoria to extend the British Empire, in 19th century, Battle of East Lawana and so on. You know, lots of courage and sacrifice for yeah. a kingdom that has not endured. But we need to be extending a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It will never be replaced. It will last forever. And so... You think how many people are willing to make sacrifice for the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, Macedonian Empire, and so on, for the Soviet Empire. But we are called to make sacrifice for the kingdom of God, which will endure forever, which will never be defeated. And how much better to serve an everlasting kingdom. And we told in Daniel that the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of all the kingdoms and the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Daniel 7.27 So, the kingdom of God can be seen wherever men and women submit to our Lord Jesus Christ as king. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you see these lives of subjects of the kingdom, you can see that the kingdom of God is amongst you. And excellence is seen in the art and architecture and the music of the kingdom of God. The great cathedrals proclaim the kingdom of God. The great musical compositions like Handel's Messiah proclaim the kingdom of God. When King George II stood for the Hallelujah Chorus at the first presentation of Handel's Messiah, he initiated a tradition that endures to this day. Even at the ends of the earth, Cape Town, where I'm based, the southernmost tip of Africa, every time Handel's Messiah is performed, we all stand to our feet at attention for the Hallelujah Chorus. King George II declared, it is impossible to remain seated for the anthem of the King of Kings. Now, when Queen Victoria was very old, she attended a performance of Sign. She was told by the organizers that in view of her great age, she should please remain seated when everyone else would stand for the duration of the Hallelujah Chorus. But when the Hallelujah Chorus began, Queen Victoria, empress of the greatest empire the world had ever known, she stood and she bowed with tears and eyes, with her lips trembling and her body shaking. She may have been the monarch of the greatest kingdom the world had ever seen, but she knew that she was nothing before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And she realized she held her crown and her throne in trust for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that she said that the greatest honor of her life would be to pass on the crown of Great Britain and India to him with her own hands. So she was praying that the Lord would come in her lifetime because she recognized that her duty and destiny was to rule the kingdom faithful to the scriptures and the laws of God and to hand on the crown and sceptre to the king of kings on his return. And in fact, most of the monarchies in Europe understand that their thrones are belonging to Lord Jesus Christ and that they only hold them in trust. And uh, it's uh, interesting, I know we're heading to another coronation in Britain soon. Um, Queen Victoria was once asked by a visiting African prince, what is the secret of Britain's greatness? She handed him a Bible and said, "The Bible is the source of Britain's greatness." Hmm. And uh, uh, intriguing that at the uh, coronation uh, of Queen Elizabeth II on the second of June, 1953, the last coronation seen in Britain, the highlight is when the Queen gives the coronation oath and the Archbishop required, "Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain the laws of God with true profession of the Gospel?" Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain in the United Kingdom a Protestant, reformed religion as established by law? Will you maintain and preserve the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine, worship, discipline, and government as by law established in England? To this the Queen responded, all this I promise to do. And then the Archbishop charged her, will you, to your power, cause law and justice in mercy to be executed in all your judgments? And the Queen responded, I will. And we trust... King Charles will be required to do the same. I hope they don't too modify the um, orders of service. When the sword of state was carried before her, the Queen arose from her chair, went to the high altar, and made the solemn oath in the sight of all the people, laying her right hand on the Holy Gospel in the great Bible, declaring, the things which I have heretofore promised, I will perform and keep, so help me God. The Queen then kissed the Bible and signed the oath. And uh, I think it's so vital that all leaders in the world, where the presidents, prime ministers, chancellors, whatever they are called, recognize they are answerable to a higher authority, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the eternal judge who will return, and he will judge the living and the dead. And this is what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And so the kingdom as instituted by Christ 2,000 years ago has led to the greatest creativity and the noblest expressions of duty and honor and charity and mercy, art and architecture throughout all the world. And it's pioneered hospitals and schools and churches and ministering to body, mind and spirit throughout the world. To the remotest shores, missionaries converting cannibals in the Pacific, bringing respect for life and liberty, bringing law to wilderness areas, ending the slave trade, ending widow burning in India, ending cannibalism in the Pacific Islands ending inter genocide and incessant warfare, Islamic slavery throughout Africa. Uh, the kingdom of God lifted industry and arts and sciences to the pinnacles of human achievement. And we look forward to the day when the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, yeah. as Habakkuk 2.14 says. So I believe that only by returning to the kingdom message can the nations be saved from this disastrous consequence of violating God's laws and forgetting our covenants and allowing those who hate God to hijack so much of our culture to secular humorous education, indoctrination, defilement, blasphemous vile entertainment from Hollywood, and this insanity that we're seeing of school shootings and trans activists bullying and beating up oh, okay. women uh, at uh, where they're just trying to speak up with lift the women speak campaigns and um, all the evils that we see all over the place. where Professors can be kicked out of universities for pointing out there's only two but bo- genders or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to return to the kingdom of God and recognizing that God's laws are the foundations of civilization.
0: Amen. Now I'm looking at the clock and I realize we just ran out of time. Peter, I want to thank you so very much for sharing all of this good information. And if someone would like to get a hold of you somehow, how could they go about doing that?
1: My personal email is peter, P-E-T-E-R, at frontline, F-R-O-N-T-L-I-N-E, dot O-R-G dot L-A, so peter, at frontline, dot O-R-G dot Z-A. You can communicate with me directly, more also on social media if they want to get a hold of me through Facebook, but otherwise on our website or through my personal email. be glad to hear from anyone, and I'll gladly send this sermon, this Bible study, if anyone would like the Kingdom of God message, that they can study it more carefully um, at their own time, I'll gladly send you to send me your email to peter at Today.
0: Well, it's a clarion voice for our day. And Peter, I am so praising God that He has spared you from this medical condition you had, this stroke, and He's renewed you for yet more days of service. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Dan. God bless America.
0: For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.